0: I hope I won't embarrass uh, anyone, but uh, you know, Don- Donathan uh, mentioned in, in, in class yesterday that uh, he had not seen his father for uh, over 10 years, and uh, you know, my heart just sank. And uh, today I-, I want to encourage you, you know, Don- Donathan and Calvin, and others who are in similar uh, situation In Psalm 27, verse 10, it says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Isaiah 49, verse 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. So I just want to remind you that in the kingdom, You have many fathers and many many mothers, okay? Okay, I need two volunteers. Daniel and Joanne. Now I want for both of you to think about something to you, that is so beautiful. Picture it. Get a snapshot, freeze it. Okay? You got it? Okay, now I'm going to ask each of you. So, Joanne, what was his picture? Hmm. Himself. <laughs> To him, not to him, that's what I thought, what he thought. No. Okay, Daniel, what is the picture that she has frozen in her mind? Herself, that's correct. (laughs) That is correct? Wow! (laughs) So let me ask you, how are you going to find out what is his picture if he chooses not to tell you? You're checking it. Yeah, like, I already know what he got. Can you find out? Thank Picture. you. Thank you. You can sit down. You see my point? The word revelation. And by the way, Jung, where's Daniel? Oh, okay. Because this message is prepared for him, Jonathan, and uh, my tricks class. Actually, this message was came from our discussion a couple of weeks in the month, you no, during the month during the last month. Um. Congratulations, uh, graduates! Welcome to your postgraduate class. Okay. The message I'm bringing to you today was written about. 150 years ago, by a Dutch theolo- theologian, um, his name is Herman Bavinck. Bavinck, and um, actually this, his message, his work was analyzed by uh, a PhD student at a theological uh, theologian school in uh, Oron, uh, Ontario. In 1998, and so uh, I want for you to elevate your mind, because the things that we're gonna, I'm gonna read to you today, is maybe beyond what you have imagined. You know, the illustration that uh, Daniel and, and Joanne just acted through, this is a struggle of our life, isn't it? Um, actually, it is a riddle of life. There are so many things that we need to know. And I'm just going to be zooming into to relationship. Right? So many families are broken. Because why? Because husband and wife can't understand each other. And in the family of God, the same thing happens. We don't communicate. We don't talk. Um, I was going to say something to Pastor Win, for example. And I saw him very frustrated and very, you know, mad, right? So when I approach him, guess what? It's going to impact the way how I'm going to share the message, how I'm going to deliver the message to him, right? It's not going to be as what I had envisioned. It's not going to be as what I had thought in mind. So the struggle of our life is is. You know, sometimes I wish that God give us the ability to directly trans- transport messages between minds. You know how easy that would be for our life? But you can also imagine how complex it would be. Not just that, but I don't, want to, you know, I don't want to see what thoughts going through somebody else's mind. Right? I definitely don't want anybody to see the thoughts going through my mind right and so you may ask why do I venture into postgraduate school what I'm sharing with you is a five is, is a, a snapshot or a uh, maybe 20 page Summary, not summary, just a introduction to a 500-page 500, 500 thesis on the analysis of Bavinci's work on the end of time. You know, the problem that I just raised is a complex one and uh, with the way our society is going uh, I think we need messages like this okay I want to remind you that I will not have any scriptural verses, uh, scriptural verses in this message, OK? But as I read them, you will see the scripture in them, OK? I think sometimes it's, it's good for us to, to read the scriptures in such a way that it becomes so alive in our mind in our thinking, that we don't have to repeat the word of God. But we speak it through another phrase. Okay? And so that's what I'm going to deliver to you today. The only scripture I'm gonna share is the, uh, the message, uh, the scripture for the message was uh, Acts fourteen seventeen. Paul said, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness. A question was raised in church class uh, a couple of weeks ago was, is God knowable? What do you think? Is God knowable? If you really think about it, God is the one that is most knowable compared to anyone else. Why? Because he is the only one that has shared his thoughts on written form. He shared all of it. The church has taken into itself what the scripture narrates, lived through it, so to speak, and now reproduces it in her confession. All that is contained in the Bible is so rich and so wide in what it comprehends, that it can never be taken in and rendered through one person or even one generation. Eternity is needed. The knowledge of the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of Christ can only be attained in the fellowship with all the saints. Both the church and the scriptures are intimately related. The scripture is the light of the church the church is the life of the Scripture. Outside the church, the Scripture is a riddle and an offense. No one can truly know it who is not born again. Those who do not participate in the life, in its life, cannot understand its meaning. On the other hand, the life of the church is hidden in the Scriptures. So do not shed her light. Do not shed her light over it. Scripture clarifies the church. The church understands the scriptures. The scripture affirms and seals her revelation in the church. And the scripture, both the Christian and the church learn to understand themselves in their relationship to God and the world in her past, present, and future. So how does God reveal himself? The great philosopher Immanuel Kant asserts that the invisible, non-empirical realm is subjective and therefore objectively unknowable. Objective, universal, uncertain truths cannot be declared in this realm. The visible empirical realm is objective. Here, certain, universal truth can be proven and firmly established. Issues of faith, religion, theology, and ethics all belong to the invisible realm. Therefore, we don't know whether or not there is a God Whether we have an immortal soul, whether the world is finite or infinite, the supernatural is unknowable because it is imperceptible. In this area, scholarship is able merely to express it as not proven or unclear. It can neither confirm nor deny these things. The response to this skepticism Involve two primary affirmations. There's a distinction between faith and knowledge. More importantly, than the distinction is the relationship between knowledge and faith. The meaning of the visible realities is determined by, by invisible realities. All human knowledge is a response to the deeds of God, and therefore, all knowledge is rooted in faith. Second, Understanding invisible realities requires divine revelation. Therefore, the questions concerning knowledge comes into conflict, I mean, requires one to come to terms with the reality of revelation, which is not simply imminent in the visible reality, but a gift from God, which comes from the outside from the realm of invisible. We agree with Kant that faith and knowledge come into conflict with each other. It is an aged-old battle, the battle between belief and knowledge. To argue in the secondary system that it doesn't exist, doesn't need, doesn't need to exist, does not help. The battle does not become less, and its shocks are felt in human heart. Kant undermined attempts within the Christian tradition to prove the existence of God by positing an unbridgeable gap between empirical certain knowledge and subjective faith. We reject Kant move, but also refuse to, assert, to reassert scholastic, scholastic claims for, the, for, for an objective scientific proof of the existence of God. You know, the church has been trying to go against the atheists by, by trying to prove God exists through scientific means. And it, it has never worked. Instead, we move in the opposite direction. No one can claim that any knowledge is completely certain and purely objective. All-knowing flows from a prior standing point, that is faith. There's no knowing without belief. All knowing has belief in its foundation. All knowing has belief as its foundation and rests upon that. One never investigates in a purely empirical manner without any self-interest. People have always built a hypothesis on the basis of some data that lead and guide us in the investigation. It compel us to continue investigating and to arrive at knowledge. I believe, and therefore I seek to know. And when I then know, I believe that I know. An absolute knowledge that has knowing as its beginning and its end, that rests in knowing and is self contained, is not available to humankind. One can make distinctions between empirical and non empirical sciences, but these distinctions belie a deeper commonality. In the former, one must move from sensory data to theory formation. And that move signals the fundamental similarity between both types of sciences. When the human mind forms concepts from the data and then from these forms, opinions, and conclusions, it has every appearance of abandoning the firm ground of reality and building castles in the air. Empirical science can seek to describe laws which it observes, but it cannot explain reality. In an absolute sense, every chemical element is in its essence qualities and operations a mystery. The smallest body which we can make (coughs) visible is a world in itself. The nature of atoms and molecules, dynamics, and energies remain completely unknown to us. When one is confronted with this mystery, one is compelled to cross a line from empirical knowledge to faith knowledge. One has no choice but to posit hypotheses to make sense of what one observes. And as one continues to probe more deeply behind each new hypothesis, one comes to the ultimate hypothesis that God is the hypothesis of all hypotheses. All knowledge is faith, knowledge because human knowing is always a response to a, real, to a reality which is prior. A scholarly system may be nothing, may be nothing else than a rendering in words, a transposing in language. Description, reflecting in our consciousness, the system in the things themselves. The task, the task of scholarship. Is not to create or to fantasize, but only to describe what exists. We follow in our thinking what God has eternally thought before us and given us and given body and form to in the creation. Because human knowing is a response it cannot control or grasp reality, but rather it is grasped by reality. Human knowing continually seeks to do justice in reality justice to reality, but because of the unavoidable relationships between faith and knowledge, it can never grasp reality with absolute objective certainty. The dogmatician also may not be wise beyond that which is ought to be. Silence is appropriate, where the scripture does not speak. The dualism between faith and knowledge who seeks to restrain dogmatics on all sides, teaches us modesty. The reality which human knowing responds to is the reality of the deeds of, the God, of a God who is both reasonable and personal. Human reason is not an autonomous faculty apart from faith, but is rather a response enabling gift from a reasonable God whose cosmos is arranged purpo- purposefully and meaningfully, reason, in this context, carries a minimalist sense, that is, realities which are reasonable, are meaningful, and make sense. They are not chaos. Without reason outside us, reason in us, is a purposeless absurdity. Practicing scholarship in search for the word for the word, which has made all things, and without which nothing has been made. This God is not some sort of an abstract spirit of reason, but is at heart a personal being living in relationship with all that he has made. As a result, knowledge also is personal and is received in the context of a personal relation. Knowledge is thoroughly personal. It rests upon a personal getting acquainted. There is a spiritual appropriation, an expression of continuality. It can only be obtained when one, as he says in Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-three, sets his heart on it, the duality between faith and knowledge, which requires all knowledge, to be faith knowledge, is a creaturely reality that will pass away in the new creation. Here on earth, all knowing is faith knowing. In heaven, faith would give. way to sight. The primary characteristic of the reality which surrounds us and guards us is that there is an invisible and a visible sphere and we human creatures live inside in the visible but orient our lives to the invisible. The tension which this creates requires that all knowledge is ultimately faith knowledge. In the new creation this tension will be resolved, for we shall see him as he is. The invisible will be made visible, and faith will give way to sight. Are you still awake? What I just described to you, what I just read to you. It's a statement of fact that our science, research, our scientists, oftentimes lie. The whole system of the world is built on lies. Science can only be science if it stays within the empirical realm. You know what empirical is, right? What is empirical? Empirical is where one has to be able to observe, interact, and have enough time to see the results of an experiment. Even the theory of carbon aging is questionable. Darwin, God has endowed him with a knowledge and with a great gift of analyzing to the fine detail and da- identify procedures and methods in such a way that, that helps scientific research tremendously in the field of uh, biology and biomedical research, which is based on that, those theories. Actually, the the summer before he left to go to the expedition in the, uh, I think it was in the Amazon, to do the research on on, uh, on plants. He was to enter the clergy school. His father was a uh, devout elder of the church and wanted him to attend, you know, this uh, <sighs> seminary school. And after five years of the expedition, his mind started to wane. To the point where, as he get you know, older in the, in the years, he start losing the ability to enjoy music, the ability to enjoy poetry. And today, our public school demands that history be taught all across. What I want you to think about is there was one time where God's servants were in the top of the field. Actually, theology would consider these studies, actually, it, it rules all the other studies. Like Sir Isaac Newton, Galileo. Many other scientists. There's something we discussed in, uh, in class yesterday was about the game, the computer game Warframe. And I asked the kid what what is all about? And they said, you know, it's about destroying these three factors in order to, to be more powerful. And so I asked oh, what is the objective again? And they just said, well, you just you know learn to to survive, you just learn how to kill in order to get more power. right? And I told them, you know, I wish I I can relay to you that there is another game, a real game, a spiritual game, that is taking place, that you need to participate, that you need to prepare yourself to enter the game, because it's real. And they asked me, what is that? You know? I said, it's a game where we, we fight the force of evil. And some of them say, yeah, we're going to kill these evil people, destroy these evil people. All right? And something that just hit my mind is that, no, you do not kill the people. You do not destroy the people. That's why I specifically said, we're going to fight the force of evil. You know, so often we are so confused. We, 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 it's human nature, right? We look at somebody who hurt us or speak something bad to us, and immediately we attack that person. Right, these, unibombers. I mean, these this what's called suicide bombers. And I just wish I can hang some of them. But you know, lately my 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 my, my concept has changed. You know that your body, your physical body, look at it. Look at your hand. Your body is the most wonderful creation that God has ever created. You know that? And it is not sinful. Your body is neutral, it cannot sin or it cannot do anything. It's trapped while it is trapping the soul that tells it what to do. You know, I remember, I always remember on the cross, Jesus said, he's dying, okay, right? Jesus was dying on the cross. And what was his prayer? What was Jesus' prayer on the cross? Father, forgive them, but for they don't know what they're doing. And so I want you to think about, from God's perspective, God created these wonderful bodies, right? And and guess what we do? We start comparing them. Some short, some pretty, some ugly, some this and that. We devalue what God had created. So I want you to have a better concept of sin. What is sin? Sin misdirects our body to do its bid, Right? Our body was designed to serve God. But what does sin do? Sin turns it around, capture it, enslave it, chain it, shackle it, and forces to do that which is ungodly. So when you sin, you are still in God's body. The body is not yours. Right? How many of you think your body is yours to do whatever you want? A lot of people today think it's their body right to do with it as they please. So oh, I will end the message uh, at this point. So I, I hope you go home and, and think about you know um, how that God created us. And then we go against him. But in every detail, he always reveal Himself in His creation, in His work, in His sacrifice, in His scriptures. You know, I start to become very sensitive to very detailed things. You know, I, I, I become more appreciative of God's creation No. You look down on on the hierarchy of God's creation: people, animal, plants. You know, like Paul said, everything is for us to enjoy. God creates this. God created all these things for us. At uh, at Amy's graduation, the the principal was making no. this speech and she comment on this, you know, this ocean uh, magazine or something. They they, they they said something. There were like eighty thousand species of moths. What is Moths? I'm gonna let you imagine rain in terms of God's creation, you know, the the things that God created. It's just incredible. So we need to appreciate it.